It's time for our Unified Bank Profile, and we see the South Carolina Stingrays this weekend. So it's time to bring in a good friend of mine, and he was also last year's winner of the PR Broadcaster of the Year Award in the ECHL. It's Jared Chaffron. Schaff, what's going on? You guys are in quite the thick of a playoff race right now, huh? It is about as heated as it can get right now. DJ, thanks for having me, and this is what you play for. I mean, there's going to be some exciting games down the stretch either way, and I think, uh, you know, we got a taste of it yesterday playing Greenville and got a victory. So I think our, our team is, is up for the challenge, but uh, definitely put ourselves in a bit of a tight position because there's not a lot of, not a lot of leeway either way. Uh, one, one loss could, could end anybody's season at this point with some of these matchups. You and I were talking earlier this week, and this is such a fascinating year because all four teams that are battling for two spots play a different amount of games. What's that like to try and track and balance and figure out what each win or loss does to you? It is uh, it's gotten easier as there's been less games left. I think you know a couple of weeks ago people started asking me what the situation was, and I said I don't have enough time on my hands to do all that math because you're right. Uh, everybody has a different number of total points that they can get, and with the season standings being done by points percentage this year, that means that no matter what, we will not have a tie. Everyone will finish with a different percentage because everyone's playing a different amount of games, uh, and there actually could be some scenarios where teams would be very, very close. Like, when you look at the ECHL standings, you only see the first three points. So when you look at points percentage, uh, you know, you see the first three decimal points. It's zero point whatever. But actually, there's a couple scenarios where we might have to use four or five decimal points. If, if teams are, are very, very close to each other, you know, it might show the standings that it would look tied, but actually there's more decimals there. It's being rounded up by the ECHL standings so that when you look at the website standings, everything is rounded up. But actually, it might need to take a couple more decimal places to decide who's going to make the playoffs if everything uh, ends up being very close like, like it is right now. You want to focus on yourselves, and you don't really want to have the help of other teams to try and get in, but do you find it a little bit confusing where some teams will play against each other and you go, well, who do we want to win this game? Yeah, of course. I think you know each game, like you said, you're kind of just focusing on who your opponent is, and, and I'm sure that the players in the locker room and the coaching staff are just basically saying, hey, we, we got to win this game. This is our number one focus. But, yeah, as a fan and as a broadcaster who relays – information to fans uh, yeah i'm almost taking it upon myself to tell our fans who are you rooting for tonight okay it's important to root for orlando because of this or it's important to root for florida or greenville or jacksonville whoever depending on the matchup you know we're not used to rooting for these other teams in the south division there's some really good rivalries <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of friends with these other teams on the ice but uh, you know, Stingrays fans are, have become big fans of the Florida Everblades over the last couple of weeks, and that is a weird, weird feeling for everybody. There's no love lost between those two teams, and we've had some crazy games with them this year. So to think that I'm actually going to be tuning into some Florida games and rooting for them is definitely a weird feeling. South Carolina's nickname is the Palmetto State, but I'm about ready to see if we can get that changed to the Overtime State because you and Greenville are both over 20 overtime games this year, which is an absurd amount of games. What's contributing to that? I think it's just the closest of this league right now. I mean, you look at the teams and 
the, the amount of teams that are playing, I mean, we, you talk about only 14 teams that are playing, every roster is stacked. I mean, there's no team that has a, a low talent level. The, the talent level of this league, and you've been here longer than me, but, you know, for me, this is clearly the highest amount of talent that we've had in the ECHL just because there's less spots, there's more competition. And so when you have more competition, well, the games are going to be better. The teams are going to put on more of a show. And, you know, I think that's just attributed to the, what you see there with the overtime. I think for both us and Greenville, we play a similar style of game. You know, neither team is is overly physical at taking too many penalties. A lot of our games that we play with them have a low number of power plays. They're low-scoring games. And, yeah, I don't really know why we've gone to a lot of overtimes. But, yeah, it seems like both individually against other teams and when we play each other, there's just a lot of overtime uh, for both South Carolina and Greenville this year. I almost feel like I can break down the schedule into three segments, and it all has to do with the league above us, the AHL. There's the pre-AHL segment, which took us from December to about mid-January. There's the AHL season segment, which took us till a couple of weeks ago. And now we're in the post-AHL segment, which seems like there have been some teams who have either gone up or gone down because of that. What have you noticed with your team, whether it be the performance or just the roster in general? Yeah, I think we have likened that pre, the the beginning of the season that you mentioned, that first segment, to what it is now for us. I think we're playing the best hockey we've played right now, along with at the beginning of the season, before the Hershey Bears, our AHL affiliate, started playing, we had all, you know, everybody that we would have, and, and definitely contributed to, you know, who we had and when we had them and, and why, because, you know, obviously during the off season you weren't really sure how many players were going to be on those taxi squads. You weren't going to be sure if there was those taxi squads. So I don't know that Washington and Hershey necessarily, you know, planned for that, which how could you? You didn't know what, what was going to happen. So especially the Washington Capitals, and, you know, I can't fault them. They had an amazing regular season, and it worked out for them. But for a long period of time, they actually kept three goalies on their taxi squad, and that is not their active roster. So they had their active roster – with both Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov was their two goalies, but then they actually kept Craig Anderson, Phoenix Copley, and Zach Fucali all on the taxi squad. And the rest of their taxi squad was just a few skaters. They all had almost nobody to shoot on all those goalies during those taxi squad practices. But for a while, that's what they did. They just weren't sure how things were going to shake out. So we went from thinking, you know, at the beginning of the year, we had Hunter Shepard, who's on a Hershey Bears contract, and Zach Fucali with us on our team, thinking those might be our two goalies for for the season. And lo and behold, uh, unfortunately, Hunter Shepard got hurt. And then Zach Fucali was on the Capitals NHL taxi squad a few uh, days after he played in a game for us. So from a goalie perspective, we had to scramble. And, 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 you know, luckily, we found some good players. We've had a lot of goalies this year just because of all that movement. I think we've had more goalies play for us than any other year that I've seen. And we've gotten some great play out of those guys. But it, it was a little tough to, with the roster to, you know, try to figure that out when that many guys got called up at once. I think Hershey called up six players at once when their training camp started. So, Naturally, it gave other players an opportunity to show their skill set that they weren't getting the ice time they had before. And, you know, there's plenty of players that have been regulars in our lineup ever since that weren't really getting much time. Maybe they were healthy scratch. Maybe they were only seeing a few minutes a game. But once they came in after Hershey had those call-ups, they were great for us. But I do think it depleted the talent level on our roster. So now that the Hershey Bears, who were the best team in the AHL during the regular season, might I add, once they finished, 
then all of a sudden we're getting all kinds of players back. And we also got defenseman Doyle Summerby back last week. He got called up to Tucson and stayed with the Tucson Roadrunners in the AHL the entire length of the season after he got called up. So to have him back, to have those guys from Hershey back, Hunter Shepard, McCoy Urkamp's a former nailer, you know, that has really made us <laughs> a better team. And so we're able to, you know, hopefully make this run toward a playoff spot. We, we've definitely looked like a better group over the last couple. Washington seems like a goaltending factory. Like you mentioned, Vanacek. We saw him in the 2016 Eastern Conference Final. There's always seems to be young players that are coming up through. I feel like there's not a lot of veterans that they will go scoop off the market to put in their nets. How cool is that to see those players start with you, ultimately make their way up the ladder and have such big contributions at the NHL level. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think, you know, it's so hard when you start in the ECHL to make it to the NHL. It's doable, but it's not easy. You have there's a lot of work ahead of you. You gotta jump over a lot of people on a depth chart. And goalies, you don't have that many people to jump over because there's just not that many in the organization. So I, I think it's a little more realistic of a pass, but you know, Washington looks at it especially with those goaltenders as a three-tier system and you know Ilya Samsonov probably the exception to the rule is he was so good in Russia that he didn't need to to start in South Carolina but almost all of those goaltenders that have played for the Caps on their way up they do start here and I think it's important for those goaltenders and you talk to some of those guys and they know that the ECHL because it is a development league and because it is double a hockey there's more chances coming from everywhere the defense isn't as good in front of you you know it's not as easy to play i think brayden holpe was quoted a few years ago as saying is you know when he was in the echl that was the toughest league he's ever been in as a goalie because you never know what's going to happen you got to be prepared for everything and yeah you got to be prepared at the nhl level too but you have the best defenseman in front of you you have the best forwards in front of you on <laughs> the echl you know, everyone's developing together. Everyone's learning. And so sometimes you get some wacky plays that happen that as a goalie you got to be ready for that might not happen at, at other levels. So I think, you know, Washington has definitely prioritized it. You can see that they've prioritized it because so many guys have, have made it. And I think you can see it again with, with Zach Fucali this year. Again, he, he wasn't here for a long time, but, you know, that was just the expectation. And he had been in the ECHL before. So maybe a little bit of a different situation because he was a little a few years into his career. He's not a you know a rookie, but still a guy that hey, you come into the organization, you got to go down to South Carolina, you got to prove yourself. Well, he was he only ended up playing in one game, but he was here for a few weeks practicing. And you know the scouts that were down here at the time watching things, you could tell he was head and shoulders ready to go. He was above the level of this league. Uh, there was no need for him to be down here anymore. He he had developed beyond this level and, and honestly i don't know if we'll ever see him back whatever whatever organization he's in he signed an extension with the capitol so he'll be with washington organization for the next couple of years but i don't think that zach fucali will be back down in the echl and if he is something's gone wrong because he looked like he was ready for big things this year when he got down here we're not going to lay over and die for you over the next three games, but we would like to try and help you guys take the Indy Fuel out of the postseason. You guys seem like you're a very strong defensive team. What's it going to take for you guys to get into the dance? And if you get in the playoffs, what could make you dangerous, particularly in that first round? Yeah, I think, you know, the funny thing about the Stingrays this year has been all three areas of the game. I think there's been a lot of good things. Like, I think this this team is strong offensively. We got all kinds of scores that have put up 
great numbers at different levels of their careers, and a lot of them have been really good for the Stingrays in the past, and you know they, they've proven that they can score at this level. We've got defenders, as you said, who, who we know can defend at this level. And we've got goaltenders who are really good. But for whatever reason, and like you said, kind of the segments of the season may have something to do with it, but we have not been able to put together all three of those things at one time. Sometimes during the season or earlier on in the year, the defense was really good, but the forwards could not put the puck in the net for whatever reason. We had a lot of guys that were really snake bitten to start the year, and the scoring was down. Now, toward the second half of the season, the offense has been up. The team's now, you know, around hovering around fifth or sixth in the ECHL on the offensive side, but the defense has had some problems. And, and, you know, again, for the goalies at the beginning of the year, the goalies were in these tight, low scoring games. Any play can be the difference. And when you're in those kind of games, that, that puts a lot of pressure on you. And so I think the goalies were, were doing their best, but you know, Hey, when, when you've got all that pressure and every save is so important in these one, one, two, two, as you said, so many overtime games that we've played, um, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on the goalies. And there's been other times where the goalies have been outstanding stealing games for us. So it's just, I think for the, for, for the Stingrays here in this final five games, it's got to all come together. And if one piece is missing, if, if you don't have the scoring, well, you know, it's going to be tough. You look, at, look at the nailers. I mean, you guys put up, put up points. There's a lot of guys that can score goals. Stingrays are going to need to score three-plus goals in these games to be able to win. And you know what? They're going to have to play defense. They're going to have to get good goaltending. It's going to have to all come together, and it just hasn't so far. And that's what that's what's going to be the difference is if everyone works together as a team as a unit. So, I mean, for me, I don't I don't know. I, you know, you look at this series, and obviously, you, the the Wheeling Hailers, a team that just knocked off Indy. I think you guys have gone, and yes, unfortunately, it's not going to be a playoff season. But you guys have shown that you can beat anyone on any given night. I mean, we look at that all the time. And so I think for, for South Carolina, it's just going to have to be being ready to go and playing a full team effort in every single game or else, you know what, you leave it to chance and, and that could keep you out of the playoffs. Well, while you're biting your nails, I'll be watching on the edge of my seat from afar. I hope you get to enjoy some Jim and Nick's barbecue for me this week. And I always appreciate getting a chance to chat with you. You're one of my good friends in this league, Chef. Appreciate it, DJ. Yeah, we, we definitely have the barbecue. We'll, we'll definitely enjoy I actually had some home team barbecue earlier this week, which is another good spot down here. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely be enjoying it. it. I will caution you guys, though, that the, the nailers, we might need you guys to bring some of the weather from up north down here. It's, my car was reading 98 degrees earlier today. So, uh, you know, we, we, the ice might be a little soft. It's pretty humid and hot down here in South Carolina. I mean, usually, we, yeah, we've had some good playoff runs and even, even faced you guys in the playoff series a couple of years ago, but I don't know if it ever got this hot during a hockey season before. So it's, uh, it's pretty hot down here right now. Got to cool off the stingrays and cool off the nails. See how that goes. Shaft, thanks so much, dude. Thank you. Jared Schaffer the voice of the South Carolina Stingrays on our intermission coverage. More comes your way next on the Nailers Broadcast Network presented by Main Street Bank.